We are back with another episode of the Uncensored Football Fan Podcast. Your weekly dose of what is going on in the English game. We discuss latest news, transfer gossip and much more. The Uncensored Football Fan is unapologetically honest, harsh but fair. Everyone has an opinion. What's yours? Don't just watch our vlogs or listen to our podcast. Let us know your thoughts, your real thoughts. Use the hashtag PropertyNG. Can anyone stop Manchester City? They've played all of the so-called top six bar Chelsea. So is the title race really over already? It just got interesting. FIFA president Gianni Infantino jumps in to help UEFA. We discuss what he has had to say and how some clubs are going to be scared of what he's just said. You're a donut, mate. This week's award goes to a man who completely and utterly got it wrong. So he gets all the sprinkles on his donut. He's my donut of the week. We'll explain who this guy is later. What next with Deli Ali? Well, reportedly he's just signed a new deal at Tottenham worth 150 grand a week. So we're not talking about financial gains. What I'm looking for is what is these footballing gains in the next six years? What do they look like? How does he go from being just the next wonder kid to being the next superstar? This week, our wonder kid to keep our eye on is Aaron Wambasanka. He's taken the Premier League by storm with Crystal Palace and a number of the big clubs are looking into him. So we'll take a look at him, see how good he is, see how good he can be and where he's likely to go. To the top. Man City win again. Comfortable victory in the Manchester derby. And, and that's them played, what, five of the top six for Chelsea. Um, and let's face it, they didn't look in trouble in any of those games. There's a couple of teams that pushed them quite hard. I mean, obviously Liverpool did. It was nil-nil. Um, but they didn't miss a penalty to, to win the game. Tottenham pushed them one-nil. But, you know, it was comfortable until the last minute and it was on a dodgy pitch. And, yeah, Tottenham missed a sitter in the last second to equalise. But all the other games, they dominated. Quite, quite, well, no, not even all the other games. All the games, they've dominated. Um, the result was just more. The result was just more comfortable with when they played Arsenal, who were obviously new manager, new system, and Manchester United, where they just looked head and shoulders above them. I mean, Man United had a game plan, which we all know they would. Jose will play defensive. He'll he'll block up the gaps and look to counter attack with with Rashford's pace. Just didn't work. Quite simply, it just didn't work. You had they just kept the ball for fun. He tried to he tried to stop. Silver, the two silvers, and they just got pulled left, right, and center. And it's hard because you know how do you beat them? It's like you go for man for man, you, you go defensively, sorry, and they just open you up. You tap them, they open you up. So, what 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 is any club going to do? And let's face it, it's only going to be a top six club that's going to beat them this season. Only going to be, and. If they do lose to a team outside the top six, it's because they just haven't turned up. And they just took them for granted. They couldn't they didn't feel up for it. It was a, probably a wet, soggy night in Burnley and they just, you know, lose one nil. Something like that. That could happen. But as for being outplayed and you know, outgunned, they have to come from a top six club. And look at the I know Man United are not in the top six, but you know, they finished second last year. And they just got hammered. Hammered. And it, yeah, the scoreline was only 3-1, but 
Manchester United weren't in the game. They were nowhere near. They were they're light years behind. Light years. And the worst thing is, they've spent the same amount of money. So that just shows you money can't buy everything. And, you know, Manchester United really should take a look at themselves. But, you know, staying back on track with Man City, this looks like a dynasty. This looks like they're going to be here for a long time. Or as long as Pep wants it to be there. Because he's obviously been the final jigsaw. It took him a year to really kind of convert his ideas. But, you know, they've been building this for the last 10, 10 years, I think it is, since they first came in and they signed Rubinho. Um, so they've been building and this has been the, this is where they are. They're at the summit now. They've got the, 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 the team and the structure that they've always wanted. You know, they've got the, the structure of the, the complex of Man City now, which is talking about the youth team, the stadium, um, the facilities. You've got the, the, the owner. You've got the, the best coach in, in Europe and probably the world at the present time. And you've got the fans, probably the most loyal fans in, in English football history in terms of, they went down to Division 2 and now they're in the Premier League and they had sell out crowds in Division 2. So you can't say they're here only because their money's here, like certain other clubs. Chelsea. <laughs> I'm joking. But you know what I mean. You, you, you can't say that about their fans. So with all of those four things combined, you've got a very strong club who are on the brinks of greatness and they just need to get over this hump in Europe and get to a final, win a final and, you know, that will be, it's going to be a hot, it's going to be a long time before anyone can break them. Simple being that there's no great other clubs out there. If you look at um, Barcelona, they're literally holding on or hanging on to Messi's last embers, sorry, the embers of Messi's career where he's He's near the end of his career. He, he, he can't do it all on his own every single week. So, you know, they're going to have to rebuild at some point. You then got Real Madrid who are currently in a rebuild and they look shite. I'm sorry to say it, but they look shite. Um, so, you know, they've got rid of Ronaldo and now they're struggling to work out what they're supposed to do next. Um, so... If they're all falling apart, and you've got Bayern Munich will always be around, but General Force is not really that strong at the moment. So they don't feel that strong. I mean, they've still got Robin and and, and um, Ribery as their main attacking forces. And oh, come on, man. Even their legs have to give up at some point. So you look at around Europe and say, who's the best team coming through? Man City are head and shoulders above everybody else. They just need a little bit of luck to go their way. That's all. Just a little bit of luck. I mean, maybe if they come across a Barcelona, they might lose over two legs. Maybe not. Maybe they'll thrash them. I don't know. But if they get that luck, they could really just turn this turn this whole football scene real light blue. And, you know, every other fan will be looking at it and thinking, wow, how do we beat them? Just like every manager is working out how to beat them. Um, as I said, they... Managers have tried defending, they've tried attacking, and they've all been opened up so far. All of them. So, where do they go? I don't know. But it's going to be interesting watching. I like it. I like the, I like seeing dominance. I like seeing teams being the very best and 
other teams really have to scratch their heads and work out how can we be that good. Because I agree, they up the level. And they, they now look at it like, oh, wow, actually, if we want to be like them, we have to up our game. We can't just turn up and be like, oh, yeah, we're big-time Premier League players. No, you're not. You're just also runs. Man City had a big time. They had a big fish. Liverpool have up their game. Yeah, they might not win the league, but they've up their game. They've, they, they've, they've come to the challenge. They're stepping up. I think Arsenal will step up in the, in the next year or so, depending on if they're qualified for the Champions League. They can go again. Man United, Man United would always be there just because they're Man United. So, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting of seeing how this plays out. You know, Chelsea, I'm not too sure about Chelsea. Don't know what's happening with the owner, whether he's going to invest heavily again. Um, I think a lot of it rides around what happens with Hazard. Does he go to Real Madrid? Does he stay... It, it, there's a lot of moving parts with Chelsea and it's a bit unclear. I mean, there's it's, it goes hand in hand with kind of Brexit. What happens there? It, we, we just don't know. So, Man City, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for a lot for time to come as long as all the parts remain there. The fans, the chairman and the manager. Obviously, the facilities are there now so they're not going to change. But those other three parts if they stay there, Man City are going to, well, they're going to do Man United, quite simply. Okay, guys and girls, as I mentioned in my previous podcast, that, you know, the Super League is coming. Well, this week we've had an interesting, a very interesting um, take on what is going to happen in the future with this so-called Super League. And um, it's, it comes from FIFA. And FIFA's president, Gianni Infantano, he basically has jumped out of his front window and um, and brought the fight to the clubs. So he's come out and stated that, and I quote, any player who plays in the Super League will not be able to play in a World Cup. Now that's a big statement. That's big. The reason why it's a big statement is that you're, you're threatening players with playing in a tournament that they find, um, what's the term that I would use, they would find as the pinnacle of their careers at this current stage. But the key word is this current stage. Because as we've seen with, with products that have been saturated, the desire to play in them kind of dwindles. And international football is falling into that. They've tried to rejig it with this, uh, I don't even know what you, this Nations League thing to try and make it more interesting make it more um, dynamic than just having friendlies, but you know, it's still not really catching catching the buzzes yet. But um, with regards to dilution, with regards to dilution of the, of the World Cup, they're doing it by making it more accessible. And unfortunately, as much as you want the World Cup to be exactly what it is, a World Cup, making everybody available to it lessens the lesson lessens the product and makes it you know less valuable if it's valuable to everybody it's not valuable that's just simple economics so him threatening to say that you know oh if you're playing in your super league you won't be able to play in my UEFA cup it's it's cool now because you still got players who grew up always wanted to play in a world cup it's the biggest thing 
you know, it's the biggest summer tournament. But he really changed it. Well, it's no longer some summer tournament. It's a tournament in. It's going to be in what, what November next in, in 2022. Now, that already changes the demographic, the, the the feeling and emotion behind a World Cup. It's, it's no longer the same. And you can say, well, it's not. It's the World Cup doesn't belong just to Europe, but it's been a staple part of our diet that in every four years in the summer in the European summer that a World Cup is played now when that happens you're going to change that you're changing a lot and to, to threaten players with, with with their club football saying that you won't be playing their international game is a bit of a you know double-edged sword because you've got some players let's take Sterling for example he gets a hell of hell of abuse playing for England even though he's one of England's better players and until recent, well, well, until the last game when they beat Spain, he was getting abuse. Can't finish. Sterling's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. So you push him four years down the line and you tell him, oh, you know what? Man City are in, in the, the Super League, but you can't play in that if you want to, if you want to play in the World Cup. He's going to look at you, he's going to look in your face and say, what? Are you, what? <laughs> you know? He's like, no, that don't work for him because his club pays his wages, which is a, a strong, well, apparently 300 grand at the moment. So you, you can't really threaten with that and say that, you know, my World Cup tournament every four years is is more important than your 300 a week um, wages. I don't think so. I, I, I don't see how that works down the road. Now it does. But, you know, down the road, when you've, when you've got people who are very much comfortable in their livelihoods, being told they can't play in the World Cup, they're going, yeah, so what? So what? So what? I've got this new tournament. This new tournament's bigger and better than everything. So it's a very risque stance Mr. Infantino has made by jumping out the window and saying, you know, you can't play in my World Cup if you play for the Super League. And I get it. I get why he's doing it. He's coming to the defensive UA for trying to keep, you know, He's trying to keep the status quo, but with all things in life, things change. And I, and when I say things change, I'm not an advocate for it because I've said previously that you know it's the fans that make the game, and we need to respect the fans. And I don't think this or this Super League is. I don't well. I don't think the Super League is adhering to what the fans want. So for me, it's not a good idea. But I have to give credit to um, Giovanni, G, not Giovanni, Gianni. Infitano and say you've got balls you've come out and you you put a line in the stand and say this is where I stand and this is where I will not bend fair play on you I just don't know if it's going to work or not because I don't think your product is strong enough to say people won't go without it so you know time will tell I, as I said before we're on a crux of, of a major change and everything in my bones is telling me there's a major change around the corner the way the Spanish clubs are acting in terms of the um, Real Madrid not signing anybody, selling the best their best player they've ever had in terms of goals um, to for hundred million, and signing all of nobody, even though you've got a project called the Galacticos, and you sign no one. In the last two to three years, they've signed no Galacticos whatsoever. I think the last one they signed was probably Gareth Bale. So. It shows you that this change will come. 
this change will come. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Who, you know, everyone's making a making their stance now, and we'll see who who wins in the day. But you know, there will come a judgment day. The Your Donut Award goes to none other than Simon Hooper. No, you don't know his name. You don't recognize him at all. Well, that's because he's a referee. And I know half of you don't really take note of the referee's names, but this referee, he came into my world real quick and it's really easy. Now, I'm normally not one to comment on referees apart from they got it wrong. But this guy didn't just do it once. He got it wrong twice and two bad ones. Now, the first one was a foul on Chalabar who goes through on goal. Left back comes through, scissor tackles from behind, misses the ball, lands on the ball. But this is after he's chopped Chalabar in half. And he gives no penalty. None. Nothing. I think at most he gives a corner. Disgraceful decision. Disgraceful. It was shocking how bad that decision was. Then two. In the second half. He has a goal chalked off. For what would be. What would somebody would say would be. Oh it was offside. No flag went up. But him and his assistants decided to rule out a goal that Charlie Austin scored where it deflects off the guy who's trying to block the shot and goes in. There's a man standing offside, but he's not touching the ball. It flies past him, flies past the goalkeeper into the back of the net. For some reason, him and his assistants decided to chalk it off. And I know what happened here. He thought, this is a chance to make a name for myself. I can be in... I can be the referee that spotted that the, the, the player who was standing off in the offside position was in the direct line of the goalkeeper. No, sorry mate, you got this wrong. Badly wrong. And as you saw with Charlie Austin's response with forget VAR, 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 VAR. I mean, he, he did go into one, but you can see why because their careers are on the line and not careers as in they're not going to be footballers anymore, but careers as being Premier League footballers. They're looking relegation in, in, in the eye. And Simon Hooper, for that reason and that reason alone, you are a donut today and always. So put some sprinkles on it and, you know, we're going to have to dunk you away. So with that, no further ado, I'm going to leave it to my man Gordon to tell him how it is. You donut. Oh, sorry. Ow. That's funny. Donut. <laughs> so, Deli Ali has signed a new deal at Tottenham worth a 150 grand a week. Um, and you know what? Rightfully so. He kind of deserves it. I mean, there's players who are doing less than him, are probably only more than him currently still, but he deserves parity with his with his peers. And, um, you know, in this, in this modern age of football and, and contracts, it's going right. He probably could get more if he really demanded more, but that's probably going right. And you know, so he's only getting what he's what he's kind of deserving. But I'm looking at Deli Ali as a, as a bit of a different animal. I'm looking at his footballing ability because when I first saw him as a 17 year old slash 18 year old, I literally thought that Tottenham and England have got one here. This guy could be. And you know, this is going to sound so stupid and a bit over the top, 
but his honest opinion was this guy to be the next Zidane. Like he was that good. And in those last three years, it hasn't happened that way um, so far. But, um, and I, what I mean it hasn't happened, I'm saying he doesn't, he may, it's hard because I still think he's got that in him, but he doesn't seem to have the same physical structure of Zidane. And you're not going to because Zidane was a very big man. Six foot one or two and a thick set six foot one or two. Where Deli Ali is, is about six foot, six foot one, but he's more slightly lighter built. Um, with today's modern football, they're all lighter. They're all more nimbler. And with that, he doesn't seem to have the authority on a game that Zidane had. But, but again... If people look at it, Zidane's career really took off in the last five years of his 20s, when he was 26 going onwards. Sorry, 25 going on. So he's still got plenty of time to reach that level that I believe he can reach. Um, but how does he do that at Tottenham? Well, for me, it's, it, it, um, I would have said that he probably would have had to, to move to get to that level, but now he's he's... You know, he signed up for six years, so he's at least got a minimum of two years. What what does he need to do, game to game, to get to that level? And I think he needs to transform from being just a goal scoring, arrive in the box, have one two touches in the box finisher, scoring goals like a Lampard of the past years, and build on his all round game, become more of a midfielder. Um, and I think he can do it. I watched him this weekend against, I um, well, watched the highlights of, of him against um, Crystal Palace, Tottenham versus Crystal Palace. Very boring game, but it was very interesting to see that he was never, he, he, he never, I never saw him break beyond the front strikers. He was more in the creative role, in the midfield role, picking the balls up deeper, passing, threading through balls in. And that could be the start of his rebirth as to say, I'm more than just arriving in the box, last minute headers, finishes, volleys, whatever. And I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to be able to take the scruff of a game by its neck and say, I am Deli Ali. This is my game. I'm the best player on the pitch. And the reason why I say he's got me to do that is because in his previous years gone by, he's had it great. He's been the wonder kid. He's been the poster boy that everyone wanted to push forward behind the likes of Harry Kane and say, this kid is the best thing, which he was. I mean, he took people's places when we had Ross Barkley, who didn't materialise into that kind of category at the time. So he took over a gap that was missing in English football of a young kid who's coming through, who's going to be the next big thing. And on top of that, he played League One football to get to the top. So he wasn't just the come through at top club academy had it handed to him. He worked and grafted his way to the top. So you've got to give him credit for that. But his issue is now, he's got a massive target on his back. Massive target. Because he's now the man, everyone wants to be the man. So with England, I mean, there's three or four players who are all fighting for that position. You've got Jesse Lingard. You've got a re reinvigorated Ross Barkley. You've got, um, you've got Phil Folden at Man City who's coming through. You've got Jordan Sancho at um, Busher Dortmund, who's also coming up in the game. So you've got a lot of people who now want to take your spot. It's easy coming up and, you know, 
reaching the top, but staying at the top, that's the hardest part of the game. And for me, looking at him, I still think he's got it. And I still believe in that, that raw talent that I saw. That doesn't go nowhere. It just gets marked by other things in football. Like, you know, not training as hard. And, you know, not giving it all. Drinking, going out, partying all, all weekend. They can sometimes take away from your natural talents. And I don't think he's got that in him. Um, above and beyond anybody else's. But I do think that he's now reaching a point in his career where he's going to be challenged for his throne as such to kind of, are you really the best? Because I believe I am. That's what you're going to get Phil Foden saying to him. And rightfully right for show, it's dog eat dog. Like, you, you can't expect to sit there and be like, yeah, I was the best two years ago, so I'm still the best now. No, you got to prove it year in, year out. And I hope he does, because I really like him as a player. Really like him as a player. But for the last season, I didn't really like what he was producing on a weekly basis. It wasn't much. He became a very much a just arrive in the box, finished player. And I think he's much more than that. Um, but he has to improve his passing, he's proving dictating of the game, his tempo management of a football game. He's improved all of those to if he wants to reach that very top level of supreme superstardom. But it's there for him. The talent alone is there. I think the work ethic is there. I mean, he's got the coach there who supports him. So in the next two years, we're going to see what the real Deli Ali is and who he wants to be. So watch this space. We're now into my favourite segment of um, the podcast, which is looking at Wonder Kids. The next one's up. The next superstar in the making. The next guy is coming through at a club that everyone just draws at. And, you know, gets their bum off their seats and gets people talking about them in the pubs. So this week's Wonder Kid is um, Aaron Wambasanka um, at Crystal Palace. He's, I, I don't want to say he's so much of a Wonder Kid because he's 20 years old and it's a bit disrespectful calling him a 20-year-old a kid, but he's young in terms of he's only played 19 Premier League games or, or more or less, and um, for that experience, he's he's a kid in terms of experience. Um, but for me, he's got a lot of attributes that will take him far. That's more than just the physical attributes of being able to run fast and good stamina. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's very level-headed. Funny enough, he actually when he goes forward, he, he always runs with his head up. He sees what he sees a picture in front of him. Um, I think that comes from his days of being a winger because um, I don't know who did it, what coach did it, but uh, the story goes that a coach at Crystal Palace saw him as a winger, and somebody said this kid could be one of, a great right back. Converted him to right back, and his story has never been the same ever since. So. I think the fact that he has that kind of mentality of being a winger, but now in the man's game he's he's a right back, has helped him because he 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 has he he's got an eye for something happening in front of him, and he doesn't just want to you know pass it off or do the easy things. He wants to do adventurous stuff. I mean, as I said before, uh, he's been at Crystal Palace for uh, since he was eleven. He's an aggressive fullback who kind of wants to. You know, he really, he really doesn't. He likes the challenge. He likes the, the battle of the one-on-one situation. 
in this modern game with these bombing fullbacks who, who you know who seem to be able to run for days but enjoy the tackle, they're few and far between. I mean that's the reason why you've got you know Carl Walker going for fifty million pounds. Because not many people can do what he does going forward and backwards with the same intensity. And I think Aaron Wambasanka can do that. He's he, he he's obviously gonna fill out. He's only twenty, so he's still got some growth physically to go. Um and if he can just mature his game in terms of being consistent, because the worst thing is, I don't want to throw this title of, of being a wonder kid, and then you know he goes down the road of like a similar right back, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention him, um, Bellerin, and just not develop, just get to the level and just stay the same as when he first entered the the, the men's game, and I don't think he's got that in him. I think he's got more about him. He seems, um, you know more level-headed, more focused, and more interested in, in, in the actual game. I mean, because both of them, I mean, Bellerin and um, Wambasanka were both converted to play as fullback because of their energy levels, because of their speed. And Bellerin literally hasn't changed much since he first arrived three seasons ago, four seasons ago, I think now. doesn't. He does exactly the same. Runs very fast going forward, terrible going backwards, and I don't want to happen to to um, So, what does he need to improve on? He just needs to maintain his his, his um, trajectory on his talent in terms of getting game time at Crystal Palace, which he's getting. Um, he needs to make sure he, he gets a final pass in the third four in the final third. So when he gets to the byline, crossing has to be on point. Through balls, which he's, he's, I think he's got one or two assists already this season, has to be has to be good, and get better, and just his one-on-one defensive situations because he was sent off early in the season against Liverpool, but a bit harshly, but he needs to just make sure that those situations don't repeat themselves, and he, he learns from them, he gets better in those scenarios, so he doesn't become a weak link where people can target him in certain situations where he doesn't defend well or he switches off. If he can kind of grow from those um, those tags and and eradicate them from his game completely, then he's on he's on the way to become coming as a superstar. Um, obviously, his his problem at international level will be the fact that he has several right backs all of a young youngest age around him. You've got Carl Walker, the oldest, at twenty eight. You've got um, Kieran Trippier, current England right back. 27, you've got Trent Arnold who's also 20 but and probably played more games than you and playing at a higher level than you by playing um, Champions League football um, you've also got Adam Smith at Bournemouth who's played a shed load of games for his club um, so there is competition there and he's going to find it hard to break into the England national team um, but I think he will get capped um this year, I think he, he. I would like to see him cap this year. If I put it right, I would like to see him cap this year. Whether that's with England or not, I don't know. He may choose to play for another country, but I think international. Fo- he deserves to play international football. He, he's that good, um, and yeah. With him, I just say keep your head down, keep grinding, um, keep producing your good for, for Crystal Palace. You've got an, at least two more seasons as long as Crystal Palace stay in the, in the Premier League learning and getting better 
then you can decide on what your real trajectory will be in terms of if you want to really aim for a start and become a, a not just a seasoned professional in the Premier League, but a international player of, of a standard, then you will be looking for another club. Sorry to say, Palace fans, I know you don't want to hear that, but that's just the truth of the source. That's it for another week of the Uncensored Football Fan. Another dose of raw, honest and, quite frankly, brutal opinion that is harsh but fair. So, let us know your thoughts, get involved, join the conversation and we'll see you again next week. We're out.